Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Well, now we're within a set of boundaries where certain theories will apply. If they're not likely to be tired, if they're likely to be energized and engaged, like say they just heard a really exciting story about gravity, you know, now they're super amped up <laughs> and really engaged. You're going to crash your rocket ship or whatever it is that you're using that theory of gravity for. So if it applies to gravity, it applies to everything else. That should be the tagline of the show. <laughs> But what you're so what you're effectively going is look, there are boundaries, right? Yes, and you know, yes. and if you do these things, then you can't apply it to everything. It has to be within these boundaries. Yes. So Ryan, we've had lots of data over the last few years about how customer experience as a topic is stagnating. And one of the key reasons that I believe that that is the reason that's happening is that everybody wants a silver bullet. Yeah. Everybody wants the the one answer, the one thing that they can do Quick that fix. will yeah, that will make the world great. And I have to say in my ripe old age, I sit here and go, nah, there's never a silver bullet. It goes back to that Winston Churchill all I can offer you is blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> That's a positive way to start a podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So everything is terrible. And <laughs> there's not... No, I, I agree completely. This this topic actually came up on a recent episode that we had where we, we interviewed a few friends of mine who work in behavioral science and industry. And we asked them, what is something that you wish everybody understood about behavioral science? And this was one of the things that they came up with is this silver bulletism. Just to interrupt you briefly in the new show notes that we have, I'm going to be putting the link to that uh, in the new show notes. The episode was called, is this one of the most important jobs in business today? So check out the new show notes. They said some really interesting things that Ryan and I then thought to ourselves, actually, this whole issue around wanting a simple solution to something that's complicated was discussed. So sorry, mate, you carry on. Thank you for um, pointing people to that interview because it was a really interesting one for me. I, I enjoyed listening to what they had to say about that. And I do, I agree that this is a huge problem. We talk about wanting to incorporate science into business decision-making, into public policy. And, and I, I think that people too often think about science as if it were some magic talisman where it's like, no, nah, now, we, now we've got science and that will make things better. When in reality, the scientific method is one of uncertainty and of testing and of finding new new insights instead we read books like thinking fast and slow we we watch these ted talks and we hear these stories about how people change this one small thing and sales went up by 50 percent. and those are great stories but the reality is that there are very very few 
simple changes that result in massive permanent advantages, that it's it's much more about incremental improvement and much less about finding the one silver bullet that's going to, to do everything for us. So is that just because if I was to think about this sort of from a, and I may be getting this wrong, but if I was thinking about this from an evolutionary psychology perspective, I could be going, well, actually, just people want things easy. They want to, they don't want to have to do the hard work. And that's not a criticism. That's just a reflection upon the way the human beings are made up. Therefore, they're looking for that one thing, the simplest thing they could do to to implement it when we know that things like improving your customer experience, it's a big subject. There are many facets of it and it's difficult and complicated. Oh, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. I think you the nail on the head. We want things to be easy. And so we look for easy solutions to things because those are, are appealing from, you know, even from an evolutionary standpoint where we want to expend as few resources as we can in order to get the maximum output that we can. Now, it's interesting you say that because I've just thought of now, something. to be clear, all I did was restate what you said. So <laughs> you think it's very interesting what you said. <laughs> it's interesting that I said that. And to be fair, it was interesting. Because interesting. <laughs> let me take a contrary view. No. <laughs> to yourself? Yeah. Listen, why, why do I need you on this show? I mean, I can just argue with myself. <laughs> what kind of slipshot organization are we running here? <laughs> now you're going to argue with yourself. All right, let's hear that. No, I'm not going to argue with myself, actually. What I was thinking was, <laughs> that is, so let me carry on. It's interesting what you said. I guess the issue is that, one of the things I found is that particularly software companies yeah. take a great deal of, make a great play on the fact that implement this piece of software and the world will change. So the bit I was picking up on what you said was about resources and stuff. Yeah. 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 Resources are money, <laughs> time and all the rest of it. But it's like, well, and again, let me try to position this for the audience in case they don't understand what I'm, I'm talking about. So one of the things that bugs me is that you get a load of companies who go, what you need to do is implement journey mapping. And here's this wonderful piece of software where you implement journey mapping and actually your, your customer experience will improve dramatically. Or implement this measurement system and collect all feedback from different parts of the customer journey and then you'll be able to look at it in real time and and let me be really really clear i think those things are good yeah okay yeah but it's not the silver bullet yeah it's not the one thing that you can do that will improve your customer experience it's part of the solution yeah but it's not even the the it's not even the most important thing to do at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Because you can implement all those bloody things. But if you don't, if you haven't done anything to change the mindset of the people that are operating those, then what you get is you just get people, you know, carrying on doing the same thing. In fact, as you can tell, I'm starting to get passionate about this. But let me tell you this one story from my past that I, I, I want to share with you. Listener, please stand back from the speaker for your own safety. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Tom. Before I set up Beyond Philosophy, I was in corporate life. Mm -hmm. And I remember that we were talking about a customer survey. So we did a customer survey, feedback survey every year. And I eventually was running a customer service department and marketing in my tenure there. 
And basically, it was down to sort of my responsibility to implement this. And we implemented it. And then we were getting a presentation back on all the results. The long and short of it is we had the presentation back. A few months later, I came back and said, look, this is the, what the customer told us three months ago, six months ago. And basically, nothing's changed. Yeah? Mm-hmm. A senior group of people in this organization. And you know what they thought the answer was? Um, do more of the same? No, stop doing the survey because Ah. we're not going to change anything. (laughs) That's an even better answer than mine. Yeah, so some one of them went, well, you know what? We're not really going to change anything ever, are we? You know, because this is all all a bit too hard. So why don't we save the money, ignore what the customers are telling us? And I remember sitting there thinking, I can't bloody believe I'm I'm hearing this. No, I I improved my cholesterol the same way. <laughs> I um, stopped getting it tested, and I haven't heard yeah. anything about it since. So it was great. But the point is, my point is, that the single most important thing in that organization was to change the way that people looked at the customer. You could have implemented a bloody great computer-based system, software system that gave them all the results in real time, they wouldn't have done anything with it. Right, right. So what's the point? And yet that is the way that particularly software companies, uh, in my view, position it. Here's the answer to your solution. And this is also something new. And then guess what? I the, When it doesn't work in the sense of they install it, it's cost, I don't know how many million to install the thing and then run it. And then the customer sat results are exactly the same. What happens then is they turn around and go, well, customer experience doesn't work. You know, that, yep. that was a waste of time. And, and suddenly it's it's the industry or the customer experience professionals that are getting the blame when it's actually nothing to do with it. Well, it's not nothing to do with them, but you get the point. I guess part of the reason why you're listening to this podcast is because you want to learn, grow, and develop yourself personally. Why not let me help you by acting as your personal mentor or coach and help you develop yourself into the business person you'd like to be? I have years of experience in corporate life, progressing from the shop floor all the way through to a senior executive position. I then started my own business and grew it from nothing into a multi-million dollar consultancy recognized by the Financial Times as being one of the leading management consultancies. So whether you're in corporate life or starting your own business, you can benefit from my years of experience. To find out more, just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash coach. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash coach. You've told stories before about when you were working yourself in in customer experience organizations or when you've come in as a consultant and people treat it as if it's checking the box. And I think that this is very much this silver bulletism idea where it's like, oh, people are doing customer experience now. So why don't we have a customer experience group? We're going to starve them resources. We're not going to give them any authority to do anything. But now we've checked that box. We've loaded that silver bullet in. And then nothing changes. There's no improvements on the outcome. And they go, oh, the silver bullet failed, right? So we should therefore disregard this thing. We don't want to make a bunch of small incremental steps 
to improve things over the long haul. We're looking for that simple, easy, quick solution, which in this case is making a small change on our organizational chart, and then everything should be better. Oh, it's not? Oh, all right. Well, that means that the whole field is a failure. And I, th- I think that's a corollary to this silver bulletism. It's looking for simple solutions, and when those don't work, we draw very broad conclusions from them. So how does science look at it then? I mean, does science look at it from a different perspective? So I think that we've we've done, and I include myself in this, but we, those of us that work in science have done a disservice to people who want to get stuff done in real life through kind of bad marketing of science. Um, no. Yeah, no, seriously. Really? I, yeah, no. <laughs> Hear me out on this one. This is where I'm going. We promote silver bullet thinking. And when we talk about science, where we show these results, where it's like this one small change produces these enormous outcomes and people walk away from it thinking like, oh, there's a very simple thing that needs to be done and it'll produce these these large results. In science, the best way to understand science is that all scientific findings, all of them exist within a set of boundaries. And within those boundaries, this particular theory will be valid and will be good at predicting things. But outside of those boundaries, it may or may not be good at all. Right? And so let, let me give you a very extreme example of this. Now, you're going to love this because this has nothing to do with anything we talk about. Let's talk about gravity. I thought you were going to talk about axes. Axes are relevant to anything. <laughs> axes are relevant to gravity. Actually, we're gonna, well, it depends on how high above you the <laughs> axis plays, but yes, gravity matters. So in high school physics class, you learned about Newtonian gravity and it's, yeah. it's got some very Apples. simple equation. Yeah, exactly. The story of the apple falling and hitting him on the head. My daughter's in physics now and I, I help her with her homework and she actually got to the gravity chapter recently. Those of you, and you can put this in the show notes, Colin, because people will want to know. But the equation for gravity is the force of gravity equals the gravitational constant of the universe times the mass of the first object times the mass of the second object divided by the square of the distance between them. Right? This is where I know you wanted this to go. I was just about to say that. Yeah. You know, it's funny no, I know. you should mention it. Anyway. <laughs> Newton developed this equation. It's beautiful. It explains all kinds of things. Do you remember the story of Galileo dropping things off of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? This is probably an apocryphal story. Yep. It probably didn't happen. But the story was that he he took two different sized weights, two different sized balls, and he dropped them off of the tower, and they both landed at the same time. And he therefore drew this conclusion that it doesn't matter how heavy or light something is, it all falls at the same speed, right? Yes. We're already on two sides of a boundary when it comes to gravity. So that equation that Newton came up with says that's not true, that the heavier things are, the faster they'll move towards each other. So if you drop a heavier weight, that does in fact move faster towards the earth than a lighter weight does. Like if you took two balls of different sizes, they will in fact accelerate at different speeds. Right. The issue is that there's this boundary where Newtonian gravity applies, and then there's a boundary where this observation from Galileo applies. And essentially, when the weights are small enough relative to the size of the Earth, it's like everything falls at the same speed, because the mass of the Earth is so much larger than anything else that it all kind of comes out in the wash, and we can't can't even observe the differences. They're so small. Right. This is a very obscure example to use in a customer experience podcast. (laughs) I'm getting there, Colin. I promise I am. 
<laughs> Hold on. Yeah, no, no. Oh, we're, sorry. We're, my, we're not I'm done. Away we're not, now. <laughs> not done. You don't know how long I've waited to put this example <laughs> on you, Colin. You just you, you let your guard down for a minute, and I'm right I'm here worried. talking to you about gravity. L- listen, I'm worried that somebody is driving while listening to this podcast, and they're so excited by what they're learning, they're going to get into a wreck. I, I share your concern, Colin. And we're going to get sued because they have an accident because they're bored stiff. <laughs> anyway, carry on, mate. The, the reason I bring that, <laughs> so I, I acknowledge this is a weird example to use. But I use it because gravity is like the most fundamental, the most basic bit of science we can talk about, right? I mean, gravity affects everything all the time. Sure. And the point is, no, <laughs> that in fact, even gravity as a theory has these boundaries around it. And if you don't understand where those boundaries are and you try to apply the basic laws of Newtonian gravity, then you're going to end up with some really wrong assumptions and you're going to crash your rocket ship or whatever it is that you're using that theory of gravity for. So if it applies to gravity, it applies to everything else. That should be the tagline of the show. <laughs> and if it applies to gravity, it applies to everything else. I See, like that. gravity, it'll solve all your problems. <laughs> that could be the other tagline that we use. <laughs> so let me try and let me try and uh, bring that salvage um, this. <laughs> Selfish the podcast to rescue me from myself. The show, yeah. So let me talk to you about quantum gravity. <laughs> no, oh, I love this one. <laughs> really, when you think about it, what we're talking about is segmentation, isn't it? To a certain extent, let me try and come at this from a layman's perspective. Are you like now trying to out random me? Like I came up with the most random thing I can think of, and then now you're you're gonna no, go I, okay. As usual, mate, I'm trying to take what I'm sure is extremely intelligent theory and actually go, well, what do I do with that then? Can you apply it to sheep farming? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. But what you're so what you're effectively going is look, there are boundaries. All right. Yes, and you know, yes. and if you do these things, then you can't apply it to everything. It has to be within these boundaries. Yes. So that for me, if I was to use just one example, because I totally buy into what you're saying, but if I use one example, which is segmentation, which is I can't necessarily say that all customers will want this product, yeah, but I can turn around and say that this group of customers with this particular needs or particular demographics or whatever else are more likely to do it, and the boundaries that I'm putting in place are that they need to be 40 years old, they need to have an income of X or whatever else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. This is a really great way of thinking about these boundaries. I would push it even further if we're we're going to talk about behavioral science, like all the topics Colin and I cover in these episodes. I would push it even further to say that in addition to your segment, we also need to know about like the context that they're in. So it's not enough to know their demographics, but are they likely to be tired when they're making this decision or distracted. Well, now we're within a set of boundaries where certain theories will apply. If they're not likely to be tired, if they're likely to be energized and engaged, like say they just heard a really exciting story about gravity, you know, now they're super amped up (laughs) and really engaged. Now a different set of behavioral science theories are likely to 
be at play here. So what are the boundaries that surround that decision? And a part of that absolutely will be the segment that they're in. Because you're right, different people make decisions in different ways. So we need different theories to explain what's going on. And part of those boundaries as well, and this goes back to one of our, both of our hobby horses, which is around the poor segmentation that most organizations have. Yeah, so part of those boundaries as well is not just they're of this certain age, they're of this certain income, they're in this geography, but it could be, well, what time of the year is it? What are they doing? Are they on vacation? Are they at work? Absolutely. Exactly as you just said, are are they feeling tired? Are they happy? And if you don't understand those boundaries, the danger is that, and I guess this goes back to your rule, is the rule isn't going to apply, is it? Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, a lot of people watch these TED Talks or read these books and they get excited about these ideas and then they go and they try to apply the ideas to their business And then it often doesn't work. And then they get very frustrated and decide that the science is just junk science and it's not worth listening to. And I would argue that there's a good chance that when they ran out to try to apply this stuff, to try to use it, they didn't give enough consideration to the boundaries, right? So if you learn about something in a book and then you run out and you try to apply it, but when it was researched, it was researched with people who were paying a lot of attention And then in your customer experience implementation, you're dealing with customers who are very distracted. Well, that's a a big boundary there. And so there's no reason to think that that, those other theories should apply here. And so understanding science requires that we understand the boundaries around them. So if we go back to gravity for a moment. I'm so glad, Colin. (laughs) Thank you. And and we were talking about two objects being uh, projected and that they would fall to earth at the same level. Are we now talking about silver bullets again? The way that I would tie this back to silver bullets is if you fire two silver bullets out of a gun at the same height. No, like, so if we learn just about Newtonian gravity, then we would predict that the two objects would fall at different speeds. If the objects are small enough, though, it's like they fall at the same speed. So bullets are very small. This would be easier if I had a chalkboard. (laughs) I only said that to get the joke in about silver bullets. I didn't expect you to go into an explanation of it from a gravitational perspective. Colin, if you you think any of this is funny, (laughs) we've got some things to talk about here. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay, let's try and wrap this up. Let's try and salvage some more. (laughs) This will haunt you, though, for days. No, I I actually genuinely think you've got a really important point here, mate. But let's go into the recommended actions. Maybe to sort of back up my statement of, I think there's some really important stuff here. Now, let let me start. Go for it. So I think the important message out of this lot is, don't help your daughter do, do physics when you're just about to do a podcast. No, <laughs> I think the important thing for me is you do need to two things. One is there isn't a silver bullet. Okay, there's just a lot of hard work in many different subjects. And the second part about it is goes back to your boundaries, which is, and even now I'm thinking about it even further. The way I would even describe this is you didn't need to test things. 
you need to go, okay, well, this segment of the market, this is the what the person looks like, this is personality, this is the context they're in, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's, let's test this because we can then find out whether this works or it doesn't work. And most customers' segmentation is poor. But understanding what those boundaries are, understanding the context in which this will work becomes important because here's the issue. If you turn around and go, improving the customer experience will generate X and it doesn't, yeah, that's where you've got a problem because your CEO will turn around and say, you told me that if I invested this money, I would get that return. Yep. And I haven't. Therefore, you're not very good. Therefore, I'm going to sack you. Or therefore, this doesn't work. Yeah. And therefore, understanding those dynamics as, as another word I would probably use to understand the dynamics of what are the things that actually drive value for your customers and how should you change those things. I would recommend that you look into and understand those boundaries and make sure that when things were being implemented, that those boundaries were being observed as as well. How about you, Ryan, without mentioning gravity? Very well put. So theory can be a bad word in a lot of practical settings. People don't want to talk about theories. You cannot avoid theories. So if your theories are not based off of what you're reading in behavioral science, what you're listening to on behavioral science podcasts, it's not like you then therefore avoid theories. You have your own theories about how people operate. You have a theories about why your customers are buying. Anytime you make a statement like, oh, well, people don't open emails anymore, right? That's a theory about the way people behave. And what I would encourage you to do is any theory that you have, whether it's one that you, you read in a book or whether it's one that you heard on a podcast, whether it's one that you've developed yourself to explain what people are doing, realize that all of those theories have boundaries around them. They apply to certain people in certain contexts. So the idea that nobody opens marketing emails anymore, well, that's true in certain contexts, right? That's within certain boundaries. That is a valid theory. Outside of those boundaries, it may or may not be, right? So examine your boundaries, examine the assumptions that underlie your theories, because when you do, you'll you'll become much more effective at applying those theories and making good predictions. It's not enough to understand a theory. You also need to understand the boundaries around it, because that's where the power lies. That's what le- allows you to actually use this thing. And actually, if you think back to it, something that we say regularly on the podcast is that there's never just one thing happening. Yes. yes. Yeah. There are lots of things happening. So it's never just one psychological theory happening at this point. There are lots of things that are happening. And that is going to be depending upon the context on, of the situation. So, Yeah, I mean, where this gets more complicated, arguably more fun, some of these boundaries overlap. So you can think about it like a Venn diagram, where there are areas where, where two theories now apply, and now you need to figure out which is going to be stronger. That's a, a discussion for another topic when we will get into quantum mechanics as our, our primary motivating <laughs> example that I'll use. Look forward I was to just that. wondering. Yeah. I was just wondering whether Venn diagrams fall at the same speed to Earth. <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Colin. <laughs> That's your homework. It's not just a transition. I'm really, really glad you asked. Could you do us a favor, mate? Could you go and ask your daughter? And maybe let the audience know next week. In hour two of this episode, we'll be talking about the terminal velocity of, of Venn diagrams when dropped from an airplane. 
You've been very tolerant, <laughs> and I appreciate it. The listener will be glad to know that we've come to the end of this podcast. <laughs> the listener was entertained and educated. Yeah, I, had a, I had a good time, so, you know, there you go. Thanks very much for listening, and I hope you do join us next week. <laughs> I can promise 25% less physics content in the next week's episode. All right, everyone. Nice talking to you. See ya. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.